0: If you have your Bibles this morning, want to open to Psalms one twenty-seven? There was a headline in the BBC News that I really speaks louder than it realized. When I read it, I thought, you know, they were they they were saying something they really weren't intending to say, but they were right. This was the headline: U.S. home building at an all-time low. Now, what they were referring to was the fact that the rate of construction in new homes in the U.S. fell last year, hitting an all-time low. In fact, the rate of new construction over the last three years was down. But in reality, they, they weren't referring to homes. They were referring to houses. Now, I don't have to tell you the difference between a house and a home, do I? Because sadly, in my opinion, I think we're building fewer homes and more houses than ever before in our country. And that's why the last few weeks we've been doing this series all about family. Because we need to reunite both the family and the commitment to the family. And I think one of the biggest problems is not that we're not building houses, but that we're not building true homes in our country anymore. And I think one of the problems is because anybody can build a house, but only God builds the home. Now, don't take my word for it. Well, let's look at one of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon. Uh, Psalms 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard. In vain. There was another translation I kind of liked a little better. It said this Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is useless. One preacher in America recently said this Out of all the words in the English language, the one he hated the most was the word useless. Because if anything is useless, it somehow means it just doesn't count. I mean, there's a reason why God is indispensable in having true family, isn't there? It's because family is God's idea. I mean, it was God who gave the first woman to the first man. It was God who gave the first child to the first parents. And I believe if there's anything that God wants us to get right in this life, other than our personal relationship with Him, He wants us to get our families right. Right? And, you know, I don't mind telling you this morning that as I I study and I talk about the subject of raising children, I kind of felt like the guy who said, before I had children, I had six theories on it. Now I have six children and no theories. (laughs) But this morning, I don't really have a theory as much as a reality that I believe will work with family. Because if we do everything we can to help raise our children to love God, and to serve others, and to share their stories, we've done a great work. And in fact, we pointed out the foundation of a strong family is loving God. And the the foundation to having a strong marriage is where the husband and the wife serve one another. And so I want to share today how we can have our children and our grandchildren help share our story long after we're gone. And in fact, that's the central theme of this scripture today, because it's through our children that we launch a legacy that's truly going to last. But I believe it involves getting our children three things. First is giving them spiritual direction. Oh, listen how uh, children are described in this scripture. Uh, Verse 3. Sons are heritage from the Lord. Children a reward from Him. Sons are heritage. That word heritage literally means property or possession. That's the noun form of the word. So children are property of the Lord. They're not just born from below. They're actually given to us from above. So I think it means that our children, they're really not our children. They're just kind of on loan to us. Our children really belong to God. They are his property, his possession. And that means that there is no unwanted child. There's no such thing in this country, in this world as an Ill- illegitimate child because God wants every child that's conceived in the womb To be allowed to be brought into this world. Because every child has a legitimate purpose for living given by God Himself. And He calls children a reward. I mean, children are not just the result of a one time biological couple, they're not just a tax deduction, they're not just another chair sitting at the kitchen table. Children are special, they're important. And if we understand what children are, and we understand what they can do, we see that they are literally God's loving reward. I love this. Someone said this. To put it in this perspective, it took six days for God to create the world. And it takes nine months to design a child. But then Solomon makes this very interesting comparison in verse 4. And this is kind of what we're going to focus on this morning. Verse 4. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Solomon compares our children to arrows. Now, I'm not an archer. I've only ever shot a bow and arrow a few times. And one of them was with giant foam darts. So, <laughs> But I do understand that an arrow has to fulfill at least two purposes. First, your arrow has to be shot in the right direction, and then it has to hit the right target. And what's true of arrows is also true of children. Our job as parents, even grandparents, is to make sure from the time our children are born that they are shot in a godly direction and that they hit the target of having a personal relationship with God. I mean, that thought alone ought to tell us just how precious our children really are. See, parents and grandparents, let me just give you a short list of things you can't take to heaven with you. I know you're aware of these, but let me just say, you can't take your wealth, you can't take your house, you can't take your 401k, you can't take your cars, or your boats, or your stocks, or your bonds. But the one thing we can take with us is our children, our grandchildren if we help them to develop that personal relationship with Jesus. And see, notice that Solomon doesn't just call children arrows. He calls them arrows in the hands of a warrior. Now, what does, where does a warrior get his arrow? I mean, he doesn't pluck them from trees, right? They're not like growing on trees like apples or oranges. They don't harvest them from the ground like potatoes or corn, now, arrows come from trees, but they don't grow on trees. Arrows just used to be sticks, right? Well, likewise, children, they're not born as arrows. They're born as sticks. It's our job as parents to make them into arrows. And there's three things we have to do. We have to be polished, and they have to be pointed, and arrows have to be propelled. And our job as Parents is to continually help to set our children straight. But the tragedy in our world today is there are too many children that get launched without ever being aimed. The, the average child gets little to no spiritual direction from parents today. It's like this little poem. It says, I shot an arrow into the air, and where it landed, I know not where. But Isaiah 38 tells us this. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. Think about that. One generation makes known your faithfulness to the next. Your family is meant to be a relay of God and of God's truth from one generation to the next to the next. And we're simply to be links in a long chain of sharing God's love. So, remember that as we're training our children, as we're helping train our grandchildren. Because we're not just training them, we're actually training future generations. Because the way that we raise our children and teach them and influence them is going to influence how they raise and teach and train their children. That's how we continue to share our story. But remember, parents, your kids are the arrow but you're the bow. And for the first several years of their life, you get to determine where they're pointed. You get to determine how they're polished and where they're propelled. Which leads to this. We need to give our children loving discipline. Keeping that arrow analogy, realize that when arrows were first Invented. Obviously, they've changed over the years, but they used to have feathers on the arrow, and the feathers were there to help the arrow fly. And those feathers had to be straightened, or the arrow wouldn't fly straight. They had to be taken care of. Sometimes the blunt tip of the arrow became dull, and so you needed to sharpen it. The same is true of our children. Sometimes their feathers need to be straightened. And you realize that means sometimes, parents, our feathers have to get ruffled. Sometimes our kids need the blunt end of their tip sharpened a little bit. You you get where I'm going here? I mean, at the risk of walking into a controversial territory and going against a lot of child-rearing experts, the Bible is very clear about disciplining our children. You know, it's interesting, that, that phrase, everyone, I'm sure, has heard it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know that's not in Scripture. <laughs> but you know what it is in Scripture? Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline. Proverbs twenty two fifteen: 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. See, the truth of the matter is that if you don't mind that your children don't mind, then they won't mind. But what God asks us of parents is that we discipline our children the way that He disciplines us. Proverbs 3:11 says this: "My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. When we apply discipline in a loving way, it's truly one of the greatest ways that we can show love to our kids. Dr. James Dobson put it this way, parents, we must convince ourselves that punishment is not something we do to a child, it's something we do for our child. Our attitude towards a disobedient child is this I love you too much to let you behave like that. And see, that type of discipline is done as our children are younger. Here's why. Did you ever wonder why children can learn to speak perfect Russian or perfect Chinese or perfect Spanish or, or any other language that they're exposed to? Pretty quickly. I mean, we, we can as adults. But children can. In fact, if you teach a young child more than one language, they won't even have a trace of an accent. But 20 years later, individuals can only are able to approximate the sounds made by natives of their particular language. Researchers learned why. It's a, a process called phenomena attraction. It's where the larynx of a young child will assume the shape necessary to make the sounds that they're learning at that time. But then it solidifies and it hardens over time, making it difficult and sometimes impossible to make other sounds later in life. In other words, there's this brief opportunity where anything is possible linguistically for a child. And I think our, our child's attitudes towards authority, Is the same way they pass through this opportunity this brief window where respect can still be instilled in them so we need to find ways to lovingly discipline our children and to finally help give our children the emotional development they need I mean when the first thing an archer does with the arrow is they polish it and then they sharpen it and if he doesn't the arrow will not do what it's intended to do In the same way, God wants us to polish our children, to sharpen them, to help them develop proper emotion. Again, we do that early because children pick up things early. I read about a doctor who picked up his four-year-old daughter from preschool one day, and he had his stethoscope over on the chair next to her, and he watched as she picked it up, and she put it on, and she began to play with it, and The doctor was so proud, he said, oh, I can't believe my daughter wants to follow in my footsteps. What a proud moment. And then right then, she picked up the other end of the stethoscope to speak into it, and she said, welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? (laughs) See, I think when we realize that 60% of our kids' working vocabulary is acquired by the age of three, and 80% of characters formed by five, and 90% of personalities are set by seven, we realize that window of opportunity to spiritually nurture and direct our children and help emotionally develop them is small. And I think the most important thing we can do to help develop them is give them time. You know, the, the studies show that parents in America spend less time with their children than anywhere else in the world. Research shows that Russian, in Russia, fathers spend an average of two to three hours a day with their kids. While in our country, according to studies, fathers spend about an average of 37 minutes a day, spending less than 15 minutes a day in serious discussion. We need to take time for our kids, to make time for our kids. And there's so much more that we can talk about, but, but I really I want to close with this. Those arrows in our quiver, our children, they're ultimately going to be pointed somewhere. They're ultimately going to be polished in some way. They're ultimately going to be propelled in some direction. And we'll never do anything greater in our life than to make sure we shoot our children in such a way that they'll leave a legacy that lasts. That they'll be propelled towards Jesus. Maybe this morning, that process begins with you. By pointing your life in the right direction. By aiming your heart and your life towards Jesus and surrendering to him. If that's something you need to do, I invite you to come.